It's time for Dishing Up Nutrition with licensed nutritionist Darlene Kavist. Each week, Darlene explains the connection between what you eat and how you feel. Stay tuned to hear practical, real-life solutions for healthier living through good nutrition. Dishing Up Nutrition is brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. Slow down, you move too fast. You got to make the morning last. Just Well, welcome down. to Dishing Up Nutrition. I'm Darlene Kavist, a licensed nutritionist and a certified nutrition specialist. Today, Dishing Up Nutrition is brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness, a company specializing in life-changing nutrition education and therapeutic nutrition counseling. You might ask, what do you mean by life-changing? Well, I've got an example here. Last Saturday, right after the show, I received an email from Ted in Chicago. He said, by eating the Weight and Wellness way, I've been able to ditch 58 pounds in two years and as well, kick to the curb six poisonous medications. I've listened to every show online and some shows a dozen or a half a dozen times. Thank you so much for what you do. Love you guys. And that was from Ted. And Ted, thank you so much for listening and for believing in the weight and wellness way of eating. You know, you have no more co-pays for those six medications. And you're really feeling good. I can just tell it from your email. I just can't get any better than that. So today, I have a special friend as our co-host, and I'm happy to say that Cassie Weenus is back to help us out for a few shows this summer. You know, Cassie is a registered and licensed dietitian who for right now is taking a break from counseling clients so she can spend more time with her children. But everyone loves the way Cassie talks nutrition. So Cassie, I am just going to turn the show over to you and let you talk about your favorite topic, gluten sensitivities. I could just walk away now. You pretty much <laughs> could, but maybe you should stick around because I might be the talker, but you're the brains behind it all. So I think we'll need you. <laughs> Thank you, Dar, for such a nice welcome. Thanks for having me on. I don't think you fully realize how wonderful I feel to be back here in the seat, seat and back here doing radio with you. So thanks Ooh. for... Well, thank you for coming in today. All right. Well, <laughs> the people that remember the last time I was on, I don't know, we were saying it has been a while. I can't mm -hmm. even remember. But for those of you out there in listener land that do remember me, you probably remember that I always start by saying hello to my kids. So hello to my two biggest fans listening back home, Marissa, my soon-to-be first grader. Wow. I Just know. think about that. First I, grade. No, don't think about it. It makes no. me sad that I don't have a <laughs> kindergartner anymore. So hello to Marissa and hello to Riley, my soon-to-be third grader. Wow. Now, you mentioned today's my favorite topic, gluten sensitivities. I would say talking about gluten sensitivities and celiac disease are my biggest passion. And for anybody out there that has a strong passion, we all know that it stems from somewhere. They don't just show up. There's always a reason behind that passion. And my reason is my kids. When my oldest, Riley, was about four, so about four years ago now, he was diagnosed with celiac disease. Mm -hmm. And because it is a genetic disease in many cases, they suggested that the whole family get tested. And that's when we found out that Marissa, his sister, at the time she was two years old, also has celiac. And we found out that I have a gluten sensitivity. Okay. So for... It's a family affair. It's... We're a team. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In the end, it is just a blessing that we all have to follow the same prescription, which is a gluten-free diet. Whether you are celiac or have a gluten sensitivity, 
your prescription for living is 100% gluten-free. Mm-hmm. Now, I think most people listening probably know what gluten is, but in case you don't, gluten is the protein found in wheat, barley, rye, and oats. So we are 100% free of those things in our household. We sort of brought my husband, Scott, along for the ride. He just <laughs> eats gluten-free with us when he's at home anyway, because our household is gluten-free. Um, we also found out at the same time that the three of us have dairy sensitivities. Mm-hmm. So we can do a little bit of cream, a little bit of butter, because those are healthy fats, but we don't do cheese or yogurt or those types of dairy products. And it doesn't stop there. Um, It must have been about two years after we found out about the celiac disease and the dairy allergies that we found out Riley also has allergies to corn, soy, tree nuts, peanuts, and eggs. Mm -hmm. So seven things in all. But you know what? We got him out of his diet, and he is the healthiest, almost third grader that I know, most intelligent, very athletic. So it really, you know, it sounds like a daunting task to remove all of those things, and it was in the beginning, but it really has been such a blessing. Um, so that's where my passion stems from. Now, Dar said she's going to let me talk all hour, so I, I, I thought of a story here. Um, <laughs> actually, I was thinking of this driving in because it has been so long since I've done radio. I was sort of just reminiscing on the drive of the first time that I heard this show. <laughs> and it probably, boy, I don't know, it was eight or nine years ago. Yes. Has the show been on the air that ten, long? Ten years. Ten years. Okay, ten years. so eight or nine years ago was the first time I heard it, and I still remember. I had my little white Honda car at the time. And Scott and I were driving around the Twin Cities, my husband and I running some errands. We hadn't had kids yet, so you can imagine the car is quiet. So I'm (laughs) dialing through the FM radio stations trying to find a good song. And for the first time that day, eight or nine years ago, I came across 107.1 FM, and there was a nutritionist on. So, of course, I'm going to stop to listen. I'm always interested in nutrition. And the first thing I heard this nutritionist say that Saturday morning She was answering a caller's question. Mm -hmm. I hadn't heard the question. I was just hearing the answer. And this nutritionist said, you have to be eating real cream and real butter if you want to come off of your cholesterol-lowering medication and control your diabetes naturally. And at the time, my jaw dropped, and then I laughed out loud in the car. I jabbed my husband a little bit, and I said, did you hear what that crazy lady on the radio just said? And I don't think I got a response because he's not as passionate about nutrition as I am. But I was arguing out loud with this person on the radio because it was a 180 from anything I had been taught in college, Mm -hmm. a complete 180 from what I was out there teaching. I was telling people, never butter, you know, margarine if you need to, low fat, everything. I was telling people, if you really love your pop and you don't think you can give up your regular pop, at least switch to diet. I mean, I look back and I could kick myself for all the wrong things I was teaching, but it was what I had been taught. Yes, exactly. And they're still teaching those messages. And they're still teaching those messages today. So I continue to tune in every Saturday, I think, (laughs) just to argue with the radio and hear what the crazy lady was going to say. Now, who was that crazy lady? Well, if you haven't guessed already, that crazy lady is sitting across from me today. Um (laughs) And I've told that story to you before, Dar, so I knew it would be okay to tell it today because I no longer think you're crazy. This message works, and it really, one day, I know this is cliche, but it was like a light bulb came on in my head. I'd been listening for several months, maybe a year, actually, 
And just one day I was listening to you talk about butter and cream and meat and olives and, and a light bulb went on and I thought, oh my goodness, this lady makes sense. And then you called up and said, I want to work for you. And then I sent my resume to you and I was hired on the spot. So it, it was meant to be. And, you know, never would I have guessed at the time how much I and my family needed you. So I think, you know, I think I followed the right path and somebody maybe was the spirit guiding me. The yes. spirit was guiding me. So let's get back to our gluten topic. You know, okay. when we think think of you know when a person when a person thinks about gluten sensitivity usually they think about people having digestive problems you know like Crohn's disease or GERD or colitis or IBS but our show today about gluten sensitivity really is about how it affects the brain and hmm. this is a huge topic yes, this is, is a huge topic we could have a part 2 Yes, so maybe we should do that. Maybe maybe I should write that, huh? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, gluten, this is just a whole long topic of how it affects the brain. And as a mom who is involved in my kids' schools, I'm in there volunteering whenever I get the chance. I've seen it firsthand that a lot of kids today are being diagnosed with ADHD. A lot of kids. A lot. And I know this isn't new news to a lot of listeners. Many of you know that ADHD is a serious brain disorder that that is being diagnosed more frequently these days. But I want to give you the statistic. This is from last year. The Center for Disease Control reported in 2013, one out of every five high school-aged boys in the United States had been diagnosed with ADHD. And when they looked at school-age kids of all ages, 11% of them. Boy, and I could name to you, Dar, at least 10 right now that I know of. Yeah. At least. And I think these this data is uh, not catching all the data that's really of the Probably. kids being. Mm-hmm. And we've been told that by teachers before, right. that they think these numbers are low. Yeah. But, the, you know, really the sad news is two-thirds of those kids that are being diagnosed with ADHD take prescription medications. You know, they're taking Ritalin or Adderall. You know, and both of those are stimulant drugs. And I think parents that you know, have their kids on it, understand what that is. There's been a 53% increase in the frequency of ADHD in the past decade. Did you say 53? 53% increase. Whoa. And so the question we need to ask, should you drug a problem or should you look at the cause? Right, right. Well, our longtime listeners know that we're not for drugging the problem. So what is the underlying reason for this upward trend of mental and behavioral disorders, could there be a gluten connection? We certainly say yes, and we see it in clinical practice day in and day out. We have worked with so many kids of all different ages over the years, and when they eliminate their food sensitivities, and often this includes gluten, when they eliminate those food sensitivities, they're able to focus. They're able to pay attention. They can get their homework done. Without, oh, that's a big one. Oh, and that makes mom so happy when she doesn't have to be right beside that child. They'll sit down, get their homework done. They have less anxiety. I, I mean, think, Cassie, when you say less anxiety, I think that's something that people don't even realize that these kids have a lot of anxiety. Yes, you know? yes. And they, it comes out as out of control behavior sometimes. Acting out. And mm-hmm. yes, and they, they can't control it. They don't know how to verbalize 
this anxiety? How do you put that into words yes. when you're a kid? Yeah, that's right. But it, it is there. But when they take those gluten sensitivities out and everything just starts to fall in line and their body's working better, they do so much better in school. So I hate to tell you this, but I think we better take a, well, our first break. Shoot, I'm glad you're watching the clock. <laughs> Sorry, I I missed that. I'm talking too much. But you are listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. Now, before we break, I want to give you an invite to attend the wait, weekend weight and wellness series. It's coming up here the weekend of July 25th, 26th, and 27th. Whether you live out of town or in town, this is a great series. My mother-in-law actually attended the last weekend weight and wellness series that was held a couple of months ago. She loved it. I talked to her the day when she wrapped up. She loved all the information she said all of the teachers were excellent. And the great news is I just talked to her about her um, lab results here a, a few weeks ago, and I don't think she would mind me sharing that her biggest motivator for taking the classes was that she had been diagnosed with diabetes, took the classes, implemented our way of eating, and she is out of that diabetes oh, range. That's great. That is great. The natural way, no drugs needed. So it really is a wealth of great information. If you need continuing education credits, nurses can get 14.4 continuing education credits. Nutritional Weight and Wellness will serve you a nice, organic, real food lunch on Saturday and snacks, both Saturday and Sunday, healthy snacks. The Weekend Weight and Wellness Series will be held at our St. Paul office. So come check out our new space. We're in a new location. Let our teachers inspire you to be the best version of yourself you can be. If you want to learn more or you want to sign up, call 651-699-3438, or you can go to weightandwellness.com for more information. And if you have questions for Dar and I regarding gluten and the brain, call us here at the studio at 651-641-1071. We'll be right back. Allow me to blow your mind. Ready? Fat doesn't make you fat. You okay? Still listening? All right, I got another one. Sugar substitutes actually cause you to gain weight. Whoa, is it opposite day? Nope, just dropping a little science on you. The kind you'll learn at Nutritional Weight and Wellness. The kind that will teach you how to eat real food that gets you to your real weight and makes you feel real good for good. Because the point system doesn't add up. The starvation diet is mean. And you can count on calorie counting to let you down every single time. Learn to eat the way people did when obesity was an exception, not an epidemic. And learn how much delicious, real, vital food you can eat. That's the part that will really blow your mind and eventually your butt right off your backside. To sign up for Nutrition for Weight Loss, call Nutritional Weight and Wellness at 651-699-3438 or visit weightandwellness.com. You know, welcome back to uh, Dishing Up Nutrition. You know, after uh, 20 years at our St. Paul, Cleveland location, we picked up our desk and moved to a bigger and nicer location at 45 Snelling Avenue North. And that was just last weekend we did that. And we're pleased to offer you a, a better parking. Better <laughs> I parking. think anybody that's been to the old St. Paul office will really appreciate that one. Yes. We have two nice classrooms. We have nicer counseling rooms. We have a beautiful reception area. And I invite you to stop by and check out our new space. You know, we are pleased that we no longer have to, or at least I am pleased that yeah. we no longer have to climb the stairs because we're right there on street level. We have filtered water and tea always available. And if you want directions, just call 651-699-3438. 
And if you have questions about brain health, uh, 651-641-1071. And we're talking how gluten affects the brain today. The brain on gluten, right? Mm -hmm. Not always a pretty picture. And we had a caller when we went to break that didn't want to go on air. But her question was, are fats in any form appetite suppressants? Well, I I would say probably true. We would recommend um, healthy fats, though, you know. Right. Avocados, olives, olive oil, coconut oil, butter, rather than, you know, the fats corn that oil, are corn oil or, or the fats that are in French fries. Mm-hmm. But, yes, they they are kind of appetite depressants. Because they give you that feeling of oh, fullness mm-hmm. and they help keep your blood sugars stable. So. Yeah. When I hear that term, appetite suppressants, it kind of rubs me the wrong way because it sounds yes, like a over-the-counter like diet get, pill. Which, which you would get also from some of these uh, medications that are given to kids, like Ritalin or Adderall. They, they reduce the appetite for kids. Good point. And I, I know of several kids that have really lost weight and didn't need to lose weight when they went on these medications. And that is sad to see. Right. So as a parent with a child with ADHD, you might be saying, how do I know just changing my kid's diet, getting rid of gluten, and maybe the dairy will make him able to handle school? I mean, I think that's a great question. You know, I don't want to give him a medication, and this is what I hear from parents all the time, but changing his diet, will it work? You know, I know if it works, it's going to be a lot of work. You know, a pill sounds easier. Mm -hmm. But I know that there are side effects of these yeah. medications, and some of the side effects are addiction, anxiety, tics, sleep problems, and what we just were talking about, loss of appetite. Yes, and those are just some of the side effects. I Googled Ritalin yesterday, just you know, preparing my mind for the show today, and I was looking at the package insert from the drug company and if that doesn't scare the bejesus out of you, so you are just listening or listing a few of the side effects. So, yeah, you know, if you're if you're sitting on the fence trying to decide, what do I do? Do I go the easy route and give a pill? Do I try the gluten-free thing? Let me tell you about some research. There are actually several studies out there that have looked at the connection to celiac disease and ADHD. And celiac disease, I don't remember if I mentioned it earlier, but... People often ask me, what's the difference between celiac disease and gluten allergy or gluten sensitivity? Well, they both fall in the same spectrum to me. It's just that celiac disease is more that full-blown, severe allergy. But again, at the end of the day, no matter where you fall on that spectrum, you need to get gluten out 100%. And I think it's a genetic problem. Celiac. And celiac disease is is considered a genetic problem, although it is so on the rise, which makes you wonder what's going on. But yes, it is considered a genetic problem. So that's a difference there too. And isn't that interesting to think about, Dar, that don't we often see, not always, but there have been many clients where it's not just one boy in the family that has ADHD, his brother does too, Yes. or the dad and the child. Yes, exactly. So you got to think, is ADHD the genetic piece or is it that the food sensitivity? The food sensitivity. Yes. And we always go with the food, don't we? Yes. Yes. (laughs) That would be our answer. So, you know, another thing to think about. And I can tell you from personal experience, like Riley with celiac, he can't even have a crumb of gluten. Or for him, he gets reflux, gastroesophageal reflux. The same would go for somebody with ADHD. If gluten sensitivity is at the core of this, 
you can't even let them have a crumb because that's enough. That's enough to inflame the brain. And here's some more research for you. There was a study reported in the Journal of Attention Disorders that found that out of 67 people with ADHD, 15% also tested positive for celiac disease. And this is significant when you consider that in the general population, the frequency of celiac disease is only 1%. Mm -hmm. And otherwise, it's 15% when they have ADHD. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So, but what about the children who have acquired gluten sensitivity, which is another great number of kids? The evidence is truly, it's not as clear. The research evidence, it's not as, you know, because it's actually more difficult to research and to test for. So, you know, what's the answer then for parents? What we would recommend is just take that gluten out of your child's diet for six weeks, maybe three months. Do you think that's long enough, Cassie? To really see I think the res- so. I think so. I think <clears throat> four to six weeks, I think most kids are going to see it because kids, sometimes in adults, it takes a lot longer because we've done so many years of damage. Yes. But with kids, if you are truly being 100% gluten-free, I think you're going to see it in that first month, don't you? I think you're going to see a change and an improvement in just how your kid feels. They're going to have less anxiety. Right, right. And which is a, a look, you have to look at that really carefully. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and I I sympathize with any of you parents out there listening to the show thinking, oh, I should probably try this, but it sounds so overwhelming. I can think back, Dar, and I remember talking to you about Riley's reflux mm-hmm. and how awful it was, and I'm not getting any help from the doctors. I'm not getting any resolve. What do I do? And you suggested taking gluten out, and I think at the time you also suggested dairy. I did, probably. And I will tell you that in my mind I thought, no, no way. I didn't even have any inkling in my heart of hearts that, oh, maybe. I thought, no way, because I knew nobody in my family that had a food allergy, nobody that had an environmental allergy. At the time, I didn't know of any link, and I thought, this can't be. So I took a little longer route. I finally did some alternative medical testing. I spent at least $1,000 and ended (laughs) up doing exactly what you suggested. So I'm here to tell you, you know, save that 1000 spend it on a nice family trip or or something other. Spend it on really good food. Yes. Oh, there you go. Good trip to the the farmer's market. I mean, that's why we, we, we really believe, it's just our philosophy, is, you know, rather than spend a lot of money on tests, Take some of the foods out and then spend it on the money on good foods. Absolutely. Pay it, yes. Pay it now on the good food mm-hmm. and you won't have to pay it on the back end with a lot of, of health problems. Um, you know, and I, I have some more thoughts on that, but I think we should probably go to break or I'm going to get a little long-winded here. Okay, okay. <laughs> I can't believe it's time for our second break already. You are listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. We like to give you a little food for thought before we break, so If you are a migraine sufferer, you are certainly not alone. More than 10 million Americans struggle with migraines. And the medications like Imitrex or some of the others out there on the market, they treat the symptoms, you know, the pain of it all. But medications are not getting at the cause of the problems. And we have found in clinical practice that when we remove gluten and dairy from the diet, often the migraines either really decrease or they stop altogether. Also, adding 400 to 600 milligrams of magnesium glycinate can help to relax the blood vessels and reduce the frequency and the length of those migraines. 
And if you have questions for Dar and I regarding gluten and the brain this morning, please call us at the studio at 651-641-1071. Well, welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. You know, before break, Cassie was discussing eliminating the cause of migraines, you know, and not just band-aiding the pain with medication. In addition to removing any food sensitivities like gluten or dairy, you know, I think removing chocolate, sugar, nuts, aged cheese, artificial sweeteners that you find in soda or a lot of these low-calorie processed foods. And we have some more suggestions about migraines. We do. And a simple one that I think sometimes gets overlooked is that you need to be drinking enough water. Always stay hydrated. I find that migraine-prone people need to drink at least 8 to 10 glasses. That's 8 to 10, 8-ounce glasses of water a day to really keep their brain well hydrated. I agree 100%. And such a simple habit. But it takes intention to get that much water in. So, you know, another migraine prevention technique that many of my clients find helpful. Now, this isn't a nutrition technique, but it is a good technique, is to go for a 20 to 30 minute walk before breakfast. So it helps to circulate the blood and gets the blood flow to the brain. And for some reason, that really helps to control the migraines or to eliminate them. And just moving the body helps a lot. With a lot of things. Yes, yeah. it does. We got to get out there and move. It, it makes sense, you know, relaxing the blood vessels, mm-hmm. getting more blood flow so mm-hmm. that you don't have that pounding headache. And one more suggestion before we get back to our topic of the day. If you get hormonal migraines, try using natural progesterone cream about one to two weeks before your period to help prevent those hormonal migraines. So we have many other suggestions. You know, a nutrition consultation usually is the best answer for someone that's struggling with migraines. And um, again, if you have uh, questions about gluten and brain health, our number is 651-641-1071. Yes, we have some callers, but I think we should address um, a couple of things that callers called in but didn't want to go online and and the producer mentioned. One thing, and I will just clarify this, um, one caller called in and said celiac disease is an autoimmune disease. Absolutely. And that is a big difference. I didn't go that route because I think then I have to explain more. I mean, our topic today is to talk about how getting the gluten out can help a lot of people with brain disorders, but that caller's absolutely right. Celiac disease is autoimmune, simply meaning when that person ingests gluten, their body attacks itself. Yes. Okay, so clarifying that. And then another caller called in, and I think she said her child has eosinophilic esophagitis. Oh, I'm glad you're saying that one. You know, some days it just clicks for me. I took my fish oil this morning, Dar. <laughs> I remember the first time I had a client with this, had no idea how to say it. I would just say EE for short, but I, I called you and, and you knew how to approach it. And she, you went the route of food sensitivities. We found what that person was allergic to. Eosinophilic esophagitis went away. Mm-hmm. And I, I believe, I'll be curious what you have to say, but I believe that it is a food sensitivity. And and for those people that don't know, it's eosinophilic esophagitis is when the esophagus starts to constrict and people, it's scary. They usually start coughing really bad, choking. They often have to throw up during this episode to get through it. And, and you know, it, you know, the logical ones to look at for food sensitivities would certainly be gluten and dairy, but mm-hmm. there are many other things, you know, tree nuts. I mean, there's lots of things. And I think 
This is when you sit down with a nutritionist and really look at all the possibilities of these food sensitivities. It's yes. amazing. There's a number of people that are sensitive to apples. And yep. who would think that an apple would be a food sensitivity? But you know what? I have learned at Nutritional Weight and Wellness, seeing so many clients, you can be allergic to absolutely any food. Anything, yes. Some are more common than others. I knew a gal um, when Riley was in preschool, a mom that I knew, her daughter had it, and it was soy that was the culprit there. So absolutely, it can be anything. So sitting down with a nutritionist that can help you do the detective work and figure that out. And when I discovered that I had a food sensitivity to shrimp, I no longer had vertigo. Yes. I remember that now that you say that. Yes. So should we get back to our topic here? Well, should we or should we take a call? Okay, we can do that, I think. We can figure out what kinds of questions. All right. So Cheryl, welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition. You had a question for us? Uh, Yeah. My um, eight-year-old, he's actually eight and a half, um, eats really well, been gluten-free for years. He's, He's got a diagnosis of ADD. Um, but he still wets the bed, and I'm wondering if there's a connection between the ADD bedwetting. He does have some organic dairy once in a while. Um, very active. He's learning, but it's definitely, you know, slower. It shouldn't. He's really not at where he should be at his age and grade level. So I'm just wondering if the bedwetting and the ADD, is there a connection, and if there's more I should be doing with food. But we eat completely all organic and all gluten-free. Okay. I, I do think there has to be some more food sensitivities that he's experiencing because I have found that there is really a connection between bedwetting and food sensitivities. One of my first clients mm-hmm. that I still have a, a card from that, you know, she was a bedwetter, and as soon as we changed her eating and she did it, I mean, she consistently followed it, her bedwetting went away. And I will tell you that with my son, if he overdoes it on, and maybe it would be for any of his food sensitivities, but corn is the hard one to keep out 100%. And there were a couple of times where teachers gave jelly beans that were gluten-free and he ate way too many because I was not around. And then he would wet the bed at night. And sure. this is when he was probably seven. Mm-hmm. So absolutely, I agree. I think it's a food sensitivity of some sort. And I think you that you hit on a really good one. Kathy Corn. Mm-hmm. So I hope that gives you some ideas and, you know, maybe come in and sit down with one of the nutritionists and we could kind of work through and figure it out. So how would you figure out what food it is then? Well, what we do is we really look at, you know, it's a good idea to write down everything that the your child is eating for three or four days before you come in. And we have been looking at these things for so long that we just know when we start to look at people's foods, what, a, you know, what is going to probably be a food sensitivities. And we also know the major culprits. And the other piece of it is that you'll do some paperwork. If you were to come into our office, there's, I don't know, for a child, five or six pieces of um, sort of a health history type questionnaire. And it really helps us start to put pieces of the puzzle together when we look through that questionnaire before we even sit down with you. And then, of course, if you bring, you know, a food diary from a few days, it's... It is helpful. We almost have an intuition yeah. for it after having done it for so long. That's right. So you don't think I need to do an IgG or one of those tests? You know, a lot of those are not very accurate. And that's what we have found. And I think a lot of other nutritionists have found that to be true, too. So 
you know, you can do that, but and and people bring those in, and then we sometimes look at those and say, well, that makes sense, but this doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. So that's how I kind of handle those tests. But sometimes parents want those, and so that's okay too. You know. So hopefully answered your questions. Yeah, sounds like we need to do more research. Yep, that sounds good. <laughs> but you're Thank on you. the right track. Yep. Thank you for the call. All right, we are going to try line one. Hello, Julie. Welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition. You had a question about coffee? Yes, I um, researched online recently, and coffee seems to be coming up as having some connection to gluten sensitivity, at least in how um, the body maybe recognizes it in some way related to gluten. Can you address that at all? Well, I don't know whether this is accurate or not, but I heard that the when they transport uh, coffee beans, that there is some kind of flour coating that is put on the barrels that it's, that it's transported from with. And so that that's the gluten connection to the coffee. I don't know if that's true, but that's what I've heard. So... You know, another like, it's like one of those things, you know, that it's in shampoo that, you know, it's like, we yeah, don't even it, know. it can be in so many hidden sources. I'm, I'm kind of like the both of you. I've tried to research it a little bit, <clears throat> being that we are a gluten-free household and I can't find any sound information. I So mm-hmm. I've heard some of these things like you're saying, Dar, I've also heard, well, sometimes the, the coffee beans are transported on trucks that have been transporting wheat or, yeah. or oats. Um, I've also heard they put flour on some of these packages on the inside so they don't stick. But again, I've never been able to find any concrete information. I think if it's, if, if you're noticing that it bothers you, the coffee, I think that's a good reason to, to cut it out. Are you noticing something like that? Yeah. And, um, and it seemed like it was related to my sensitivities that seemed to be connected with wheat and gluten. And so that's why I started digging yep. into it. Yep. I mean, I guess, you know, it's your, get, your body's giving you the message. And so mm-hmm. then you go, okay, I can't drink that. Because mm-hmm. we have heard this from others before, yes, but we, we just have. haven't been able to pin down a solid answer. So if it doesn't work for you, it certainly makes sense to, to cut it out of the but meal th- plan. But thanks for the call this morning. Yeah, thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Yes, thank you for listening. Sadly, I'm going to have to take us to our final break of the day. You're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. Before we break, I want to read some quick comments from the people who took our Nutrition for Weight Loss program earlier in the year, which is a wonderful program consisting of 12 weeks of group classes. Here are the comments. One person said, I lost 25 pounds, 30 inches, and feel so much better. Another person said, I set limited expectations when I started. I concentrated on simply feeling better. Next thing I knew I was losing weight, I lost 27 pounds, Leah, who's one of our teachers, was outstanding, this person says. Her extra instruction helped me really understand the plan. And then one more final comment from a person that took the Nutrition for Weight Loss program. I feel so much better, less pain, increased energy, and I sleep better. I lost 16 pounds and 16 inches. And we have classes starting already in June, which June starts tomorrow, doesn't it? Classes are starting June 17th all around the metro area. We have one going on in St. Paul. There's another in Wyzetta. 
Maple Grove, Lakeville, and North Oaks. And this is a series that will leave you feeling and looking better. So if you want to find out more or if you want to sign up, you can call the girls at the St. Paul office this morning at 651-699-3438. And, you know, those girls are so good at answering your questions. Mm -hmm. Dar, Dar has taught them well to Really uh, figure out, um, based on your questions, what is a right fit for you. So if you're sitting on the fence, ask some questions, let them know what your goals are, and they can make sure this class is or is not a right fit for you. And we will be right back. Hi, I'm Cassie Wienis, a registered and licensed dietitian from Nutritional Weight and Wellness. You may know me from Dishing Up Nutrition, but today I want to talk to you as a mom of two kids with celiac disease, as well as additional food sensitivities, topics near and dear to my heart. Even with all my training as a dietitian, I was overwhelmed when my family had to go gluten-free. My boss, Dar, helped me learn the ins and outs of going gluten-free with real food, and that's when we realized other people need help and direction, too. So we created an online class called Going Gluten-Free the Healthy Way. You learn what gluten is, where it's found, and how to be gluten-free at home, at restaurants, and at social events. We teach you how to shop gluten-free and how to make healthy, delicious meals your whole family will enjoy. And it may surprise you that I don't buy many gluten-free products. If you take the class, I'll teach you how simple it is to go gluten-free eating real food. Learn more and register at weightandwellness.com. That's weightandwellness.com. Well, welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. You know, our brain is basically made up of fat, and most of that fat is an omega-3 fatty acid. You know, I believe for most brain disorders, such as ADHD, depression, anxiety, or obsessive-compulsive disorders, the best fatty acid is omega-3 DHA. The source of DHA fat is like organic egg yolk, sardines, wild-caught salmon, and actually in a supplement form called DHA. Nourish your brain with DHA, fatty acid, and filtered water. Simple brain-building nutrition for better brain function. You know, join us next week. Next week we have a great show coming up, too. We do. Uh, As we interview Dr. Jeffrey Bland. Now, you may say, who is Dr. Jeffrey Bland? Well, he's written many, many books. And Dr. Oz refers to Dr. Bland as the godfather of functional medicine. That's a great description. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's coming on to sh- explain the core tools to overcome the chronic ailments of modern society. So I hope everybody tunes in. I think Dr. I will be. It's yeah. going to be an amazing show. I mean, I never pass up the chance to hear Dr. Jeffrey Bland speak, whether it's radio or in person. He yep. is just... Inspirational, inspirational, wealth of informational. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's get back to how do you do gluten free? Right. You know, and, and one point I wanted to make that you and I were discussing over break is that you can't go gluten free during the week and then, you know, maybe the kids are going off to grandma and grandpa's or they're going on a play date and you say, ah, just the weekend and let the cookies slip in or maybe they're having grilled cheese sandwiches or spaghetti, you know, with the regular Mm -hmm. gluten-containing noodles. It just doesn't work that way. And in fact, I have heard more than one expert talk about the fact that the research shows if you have a piece of gluten the size of one-eighth of your pinky fingernail, Mm -hmm. one-eighth of your pinky fingernail, even if you did that once a week, 
that's enough to keep that inflammation and that damage in your system, whether it's in your intestines or whether it's in your brain, that little crumb of gluten once a week is enough to keep that damage there and and thus keep the symptoms of ADHD or depression or whatever it might be to keep those symptoms showing up as well. So if you're going to go gluten-free, it has to be 100% gluten-free. Now, you and Mary Hauge did a, a online class, and they just played the commercial for that. Yes, that was kind of fun to hear again. I hadn't heard that one for a while. I'm proud to say we were the first online class that you put up on mm-hmm. the website. We now have many on there. But but yes, my friend and colleague, Mary Hauge, she's a nutrition educator for us. We did a class called Going Gluten-Free the Healthy Way, And if you just go to weightandwellness.com and click on online classes, you'll find it there. Um, And it's a great way in our busy world to take a class because you can do it on your own time. Or if you don't have a big chunk of time to commit, you can watch it in segments and just keep coming Mm -hmm, back to it. mm -hmm. And you will find that if you take this online class, eating gluten-free the healthy way, as the class is titled, is so much more than simply substituting gluten-free bread for my regular bread and substituting, you know, gluten-free cookies for these regular cookies. I guarantee you, if you do that, you're not going to feel good. And I've seen it in my own kids, especially Riley. I often think of my oldest, Riley, as our guardian angel in our family, because if we do start to get a little off track, Maybe we've gotten a few too many cookies, gluten-free cookies in the house. Maybe grandma made too many cupcakes, gluten-free, mm-hmm. and brought them. Riley will start having reflux again because it's just too much sugar. It's too much sugar and too many other ingredients. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. And so Riley, it shows on the outside. And I see that, and then I pull back and get us back to our vegetables. Because you know what? He might be showing it on the outside, but I guarantee you on the inside, the whole family is exactly. having that silent but devastating inflammation on the inside. So, you know, don't just substitute with these gluten-free products. I really encourage that class because it will tell you how to cook healthy, delicious meals for the family without those processed products. You know, as a parent of a child with ADHD, you may be wondering, oh, I don't get this. Why would eating gluten in, you know, pasta or pizza or bread cause my child to actually lose focus or be hyper? I, you know, I'm sure a lot of people are saying this doesn't make any sense. You know, for many people, including children, when they eat something that they're sensitive to, it causes inflammation. And it causes the inflammation in the cells of the brain. And, you know, the message is they get hijacked and then anxiety occurs. So by removing that irritation, the message flows easier, less anxiety and happier kids. And that's what we're all looking for. Exactly. That's the good news. Less anxiety and happier kids. We can reverse many of these brain symptoms. We can reverse the neurological, the psychological, the behavioral disorders by just going gluten-free. And as I mentioned earlier, it would be a great idea if you're considering going down this gluten-free path to sit down with a weight and wellness nutritionist and develop a plan tailor-made for you and your family One reason is that gluten is hidden in so many products. So if you can sit down with an expert Mm -hmm. and know from the start instead of stumbling along and and figuring it out yourself, that is so helpful. And your kid or you or whoever needs to go gluten-free will feel better faster. A couple of things that surprised me, and keep in mind I was a nutritionist working at Nutritional Weight and Wellness when I found out our diagnosis, but I was even surprised most soy sauces have gluten 
canned soups, a lot of those have gluten. A lot of salad dressings have gluten. Yes. You know, and I'm just naming a couple. There's so many hidden sources. And I have been to so many speakers following my passion that, you know, so many speakers that talk about gluten-free living and celiac disease. And you know you have to be careful of shampoos. You actually mentioned it earlier. Mm -hmm. And how I've heard it explained, and these are well-renowned dermatologists talking about gluten sensitivities, they will say gluten is too big of a molecule to be absorbed through your skin. But think about washing your hair and then you're rinsing your shampoo. Inevitably, it runs down your face and our mucous membranes, like our eyes, our nose, our mouth, they so readily absorb things that you are guaranteed to get. Oh, Maybe that's an interesting thing. That's where it that comes Kathy. from. So mm-hmm. it's probably only going to be a small amount of gluten, but it only takes a small amount to keep that inflammation there and to do that damage. Play-Doh is another one that we had to eliminate from our house. So if sure. you have kids, Play-Doh yeah. has weed in it. So again, consider sitting down with a nutritionist that can educate you on all of these pieces of the puzzle so that you can get rid of the focus problems, get rid of the anxiety with your child if that's what you're struggling with. You know, we believe that the best research is really the research you conduct on yourself or your family. Now, again, change your nutrition to change your brain. You know, we have, we've actually seen amazing changes in mood, depression, focus, energy when people stop eating gluten you know, and stop eating any of the foods that they're sensitive to, really. You're being modest. I would say that we have seen minor miracles, mm-hmm. really. I mean, I, I feel like... Yeah, we have. We we work miracles. Mm-hmm. Um, you you know, know, we have a whole lot of more information yes. that I think we're going to tuck away for the next class on gluten sensitivities and brain chemistry because there is so much out there, especially on depression. And it, I have amazing research that I looked up about depression and gluten sensitivities. So stay tuned. Maybe I'll get to be back on the radio if I'm lucky. Thank you, Cassie. <laughs> Thank you. Dr. Thank you for listening, everyone. Thanks for listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. The content and opinions expressed are those of the hosts or presenters. They are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Statements made with respect to products have not been evaluated by the FDA.